Hey, y'all, it's Patrick Weaver, your host of Capital Conversations, where I encourage you to capitalize on those really awkward and sometimes very divisive political conversations we all have with our families, friends, or even strangers we meet on the street. Hello, everyone. So welcome to Capital Conversations, where I encourage us to capitalize on those really awkward and sometimes very divisive political conversations that we have with our family and our friends. I am Patrick Weaver. I'm a millennial that lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And as someone who is completely obsessed with politics and talking about politics, I've had to learn how to talk about my views my thoughts, and even my grievances with different types of people. So many times we get into these conversations and we are all very mean to each other. We refuse to listen to other people that have opposing views, and then it all blows up and gets very ugly. So my main goal with this podcast is to really open up conversations about how to find common ground, even for people who might be on the complete opposite end of the political spectrum as we are to encourage others to have the same kind of conversations in their own lives. And our primary focus is basically achieving bipartisanship, not only within our government, but also extending that into our own lives as well. So that way I can kind of show that finding common ground on even the most dividing issues is not impossible. And I really want to set an example, especially for my particular generation, on how to work together to succeed. So today I actually have... One of my best friends, my favorite Republican, and the biggest Trump supporter that I know, um, Miss Victoria Belden. And she's going to be my guest today, so I'm going to hand it over to Vic and let her introduce herself. Hey, y'all. My name's Victoria Belden. I am from South Alabama. I attended the University of Alabama with Patrick, and we became friends our senior year because we had uh, the similar... <laughs> <laughs> we met in a very awkward way, guys. Very, yeah, very awkward way. <laughs> good story. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yes, I am... Uh, I would classify myself as a Republican, and I do support Trump, and um, I just look forward to helping Patrick uh, further his success in this podcast. Yeah, so like Victoria said, she and I actually met in college. We both attended the University of Alabama, and we actually had the same major. You were PR, right? Yep, I was. Okay, so um, <laughs> Vic and I like knew who each other were beforehand, but we had never really, I guess, like met until yeah. spring semester of our senior year, and we <laughs> ended up taking one of the same classes together, and I specifically remember the first day that I met Vic, she walked into our class and Reese Pfeiffer Hall sat down and I remember looking over and I'd already been talking to this other girl that knew Victoria that was in the class and she, (laughs) as soon as she sat down, I was like, oh, she's a really pretty girl. Like she's super cute. I'll be her friend. Sat down and Immediately looked at her backpack because she set it down and it had like a Trump sticker, like a Trump. It was a button. Trump pin. A Trump pin. It was a okay. Trump pin. I buttoned <laughs> it on there. All right. I was, you know, got to show the people. Yeah. And so I remember looking at another friend in my class and I was like, okay, I hate this bitch. I don't like her. And so 
we ended up, what did we have to give like a five, was it like a five minute speech in this yeah, class? Yeah, we had to give a five minute speech on deception and my yeah, teacher. Yeah, our class was on lying and deception. Yeah. And it was, it was a very fascinating class actually. I really enjoyed <laughs> it, but except for those like daily quizzes. When I, well, when I decided to show up to class, <laughs> I Patrick's a smart guy, everyone. I, I I'm everyone very smart, but I didn't go to class because I was too smart for the class. Yeah. Props to Darren. Love ya. So... But I remember doing, like, that the first day we did, like, our speeches, you and I got put on the same day. And I remember, like, thinking to myself, like, this is going to be very weird. I, I mean, at this point, I still didn't like you that much, I'm be honest. And so I ended up... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but um, I ended up... So I did a speech on Hillary Clinton, how basically how much the media was lying about how she was lying. And then immediately after that, I remember Darren being like, well, this is awkward. Victoria, you can go next. And Darren was our professor, by the way. And as soon as that, as soon as you got out, the first words out of your mouth was basically that the mainstream media was lying about Donald Trump. And fake news. Fake news. Uh, pretty, pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And so I was just kind of like, okay, well, this is, very awkward. I like got up and walked out of the class. If you remember, I didn't, I walked out of the classroom. It, yeah, it it frankly pissed me off. And so after that, I I mean, no, I mean, he loves me now. Everyone, I I do love you now. (laughs) And so as soon as I figured out that I was moving to Nashville, right around the same time, Victoria posted on her social media that she was moving to Nashville as well. So I was very excited, very excited and I was like, okay, well, this is, like, someone that I know. I should be friends with her, even if I didn't like her, whatever, for whatever reason. Since so I was like, I have to be friends with her. So I messaged you on social media after I'd hated you for, like, six months. And I, I even remember seeing you at, like, our graduation and being like, I hate her. I hate her. And now Vic has become, honest to God, one of my best friends here in Nashville. We have been living the struggle of being a young professional together yep. for the last, I guess, like, year now. Yep. Yeah, we Yeah, almost a year. Like, I moved here August 19th, so how long? You I was here, a like, week after you. Yeah, so, I mean, we've literally, yeah. we've, we've been in this together. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go us. Together forever. So, <laughs> uh, obviously, Vic and I both have very different, I guess, opinions on stuff <laughs> when it comes to politics, but something that I think is worth mentioning is that Vic and I have never disagreed on things, and one of the things that I love about Victoria, um, she's actually newly engaged, which I'm super excited about. I wish y'all could see this rock. It's huge. Um, Her fiancé actually serves in the United States Army, and personally, I am very, very thankful for his service. I know Chris personally, and Chris is a wonderful human being, and Aww. he is a <laughs> phenomenal fiance, and I am so excited to celebrate your wedding. Oh, thank you. So, wait, <laughs> it's like a year away, right? February 17th. Oh my gosh, that's, yep. that's, that's not that far away. Oh my God, I need to start losing weight now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I need to go get like a new tux now, so... Um, basically for y'all to get to know Vic kind of like I do, just because we've known each other for so long, I wanted to do like kind of like a rapid fire sort of thing. So 
my favorite part of podcasts are like little games that we play. So we're going to play a game that's basically kind of like a rapid fire questions, 20 questions sort of thing. Um, so you are going to have 10 seconds to respond to each okay. question. Okay. <laughs> get Game's ready. On. Get ready for it. Okay. Um, who is your favorite president out of every single one of them? It's a hard one. I like George Washington because he's our first. He established what the U.S. is. He fought for us. He never backed down. You know, he believed in the U.S. from the very beginning. But my very, very favorite is Ronald Reagan. I mean, he was the first one to drain the swamp. And let's let's just say limited government is the best. So, Ronald All right. Reagan. What's your favorite food? Merlot. <laughs> no. <laughs> she and I, she and I are both sitting here right now like with wine. like a glass full of wine because a glass this, a day of wine's healthy. That's what that's what that's what doctors say though, Vic. Uh, like you're supposed to have a glass of red wine a day, and it's good for your heart. Thank it's good you. for your digestion. It's like a day of exercise, probably not yeah, really. But well, we tell ourselves. Well, I like read this somewhere one time that. If you, like, drink a glass of wine a day, it's, like, the equivalent of 30 minutes on the treadmill. Let's keep thinking. So, I drink a bottle a day. <laughs> no, Lord. I'm just kidding. Sorry, Mom. I'm, I'm totally kidding, Mom. <laughs> um, so, okay. What's your favorite food? Mm, favorite food? Chocolate. I actually do eat healthy. You said Merlot, but chocolate. You, I mean, you do eat very healthy, so. But chocolate's my favorite. You, you, Yeah. I know this about you. You know. Yeah. Okay, so politically, who's your who is your hero? Well, I know I just talked about him, but it is Ronald Reagan. Um, he, you know, he came in and he was the outsider, and I'm all about the Tea Party and, Reaganomics. Oh yeah, and he produced lower taxes for us. He enhanced foreign policy and how important that was for us. And um, smaller government again can't get any better than that. All right, and if you could make the Republican Party mascot anything other than an elephant, what would you make it? This is hard because we went to Alabama, so obviously the elephant's like yeah. our, our mascot. And, like, so. I feel like the elephant suits the Republican Party pretty well, but I mean, I probably would five seconds. You got to go. The eagle. The e- eagle's good. It's bad. That's like a cop out, though, Vic. That's not. Yeah, that's like our nation's mascot. It, exactly. Vic. Oh <laughs> God, I was expecting you to be like. A zebra. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're, they're scared. Zebras, well, you know they're what? Crying. I was going more along the lines of, oh, they're like, they have different tiger. stripes and they're different than they used to be. Maybe. Okay, whatever. Tiger. Um, and lastly, tell me what your least favorite thing is about the Republican Party or conservatives in general. You have 10 seconds. Well, right now, I have to say it's that they're puppets. They're still puppets in the Republican Party. Um, We don't have people that are still able to come in and start fresh. And I think with our president, who came in and completely wanted that perspective, a fresh perspective, um, we still have people in there that want to do to, they want to keep, you know, their political agenda going to keep them safe and keep their jobs. Well, that's a puppet, and I'm tired of seeing that. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. Yeah. Totally. So, okay, so moving forward, now that... People kind of have a general, like, gist of you, and people know (laughs) our background, and we're obviously very different. I was probably the biggest Hillary Clinton supporter (laughs) that you probably are friends with, and or know. So, um, but it's funny, I actually used to have a Bernie sticker on the back of my car, and 
ended up taking it off because I ended up deciding before any of the whole Bernie Hillary stuff kind of happened that she was probably going to be, I knew she was probably going to end up being the candidate and I felt like her ideology is more aligned with mine. So I ended up supporting her before any of this, you know, yeah, all I the, didn't start out as a Trump, Trump supporter. Ha- yeah. You were a Rubio supporter, weren't you? No, I was a Rand Paul supporter. Oh, God. Oh, God. Flat tax, baby. Flat (laughs) tax. I wanted that so bad, but it's not really realistic. Good old Rand Paul. So, So, yeah. But (laughs) that's interesting. Well, that's actually funny. I thought you were always a Trump supporter. That's. Mm -hmm. No. Look, I'm learning new things about you you already. So, um, (laughs) so when we start talking about Washington, um, how do you personally think everything's going? Like, what do you think about the current administration? What do you think is, you know, what is your opinion of what's going on currently as of now, you know, Saturday, August 12th? Um, I mean, I think, I think we're heading in a really good direction. I really appreciate how Trump came in um, when he took the presidency and he made a point to try and execute every single thing that he said he was going to do. Although that has been a hard journey, he's, you know, run into a little bumps in the road. People are trying to stop him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Overall, I mean, for the point that we're at now, I think, I think we're on a good track. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, obviously it was not something I didn't really foresee him winning the presidency, but for me, the office of the president of the United States is something that is so respectable and something yeah. that, I mean, you and I even had conversations about how you respected President Obama. Even if yeah. you didn't agree with him policy-wise, you still had that agreement, like that that respect for him, which well, yeah, I... he's our commander-in-chief. I yeah. think everybody needs to step back and realize he is as high as it gets in the United States of America, and he's ahead of our military... Um, you know, he's, Absolutely. he's the one that, you know, helps run the country. So we need to give them the utmost the respect. The utmost respect. The utmost respect. And so for me, even as someone who I identify as a liberal and someone who is much more to the left than you are, even I have the utmost respect for our president, whether I voted for him, whether I work for him, whether I like what he does, whether, you know, I don't, I have the utmost respect So, which brings me to, I actually was Googling the other day, and I was just kind of like, you know, I had like a CNN update pop up on my phone. I obviously subscribed to CNN, and um, the CNN um, approval ratings came up for his first, I guess, like six months in office. I guess he's been in office about six, seven months, Um, and they showed that 36% of Americans approve while as 58% disapprove. Well, you know, for me personally, you know, I research things and that yeah. just wasn't enough for me. So I went and I looked at what Fox News, uh, their approval ratings were while theirs was 41% approved while only 53% disapproved. And then 6% just really didn't have an opinion and they didn't mm-hmm. really know at this point. So for me personally, I, feel like I'm more identified with the people that disapprove with him. 
And I feel like you're more of someone who probably approves of what, what all is going on. So, like, do you think these numbers really reflect what's going on in the country? Or do you think it's kind of more... I mean, obviously, it shows an obvious bias between CNN yeah. and Fox, which are two mainstream right. medias that, you know, constantly go at each other. But, I mean, for you and I who are holding kind of hands across the aisle and willing to have this conversation, I mean, like, what's your... What's your what's your take on these approval ratings? Do you think? I mean, this is of like July seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. So I mean, we've been about a month since then. So, right. what um, is your kind of opinion on that? I, you know, everybody's going to have their polls. Each each media outlet is different than the others, and although that a lot of them say that people disapprove, well, my opinion is. Who cares? <laughs> because at the end of the day, he's our president. He's going to make the decisions that he feels is best. And, you know, we may or may not disagree with that, but he has people behind him that are helping him make the correct decisions. I mean, I don't think that he's going in there and just like, oh, yes to this, no to this, let's change this. And it, yeah. it just, it that's not realistic. It doesn't work that way. And so people are always going to have... I mean, I I don't think our government has ever worked that way. So, uh, I mean, for me personally, I don't think I'm I'm, as smart as a businessman as he is, which I will say he is a businessman. He's not a politician and he knows how to make those decisions regarding other people as well. So I think he's making these decisions and stuff with a team behind him. It's just for me personally, I wonder about the team behind him, not necessarily him, but right. And I understand what you're saying. I just think that maybe, you know, you, as you're saying, he's a businessman. Well, he is, and you're going to tick people off when you're a businessman. Cause you're Absolutely. going to make the deals that you feel is best for your business. And he's treating America like it's a business as he should, because we are every decision needs to be strategic and straight and a lot of thought behind it, and it's going to tick people off. But I but think- do you think too that it might be? I know you say like he's treating America as a business, but do you think that our president is the one who should be treating it as a business, or should our president have someone similar to Trump, who is the person that's making these like business kind of decisions for us, and not necessarily being our president at the same time? Just because it's such a a, a teetering decision just mm-hmm. uh, j- just with you saying that I just thought about this so yeah I mean I think when you think about it your boss you may not ever agree 100% with your boss Absolutely. but they're making the decisions for their company that they feel will help it grow and succeed and nobody's ever gonna agree with their boss 100% <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, I think, you know, these, these I love people, my boss, by the way, oh, Caleb, yeah. you're, you rock, you rock. So, <laughs> you're like your own boss, aren't you? No, I'm not. Oh, I, I love my boss. <laughs> no, he, I mean, he stuck me to my job and he's like, you got it girl. So I appreciate You're really that. good at what you do though. You're really good at it. I don't have the patience to do what you do. So I like it. It's so, all right. Yeah, yeah, I work I I work in outside sales. I could not have the level of commitment that you you have. You you commit to like an office a day and I couldn't do that. I like it. Yeah. I I commit to like going out in the field every day, but I I love that. It's phenomenal. So um 
But well, yes, my, my, my answer to that is polls are going to differ with all the time, like, no matter who it comes from. And so you're going to disagree with what. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also worth noting that CNN has a much higher, well, not much higher, but it has a higher disapproval rating yeah, of course. rather than Fox, <laughs> which I mean, I mean, for me, I, I hate both CNN and Fox. I think that they are both the most biased news sources that we have, and it is aggravating to me. So, um, you and I actually, when I started to talk about wanting to do this podcast, we talked, I guess, God, like a few months ago, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I sat, we went down to the Sutler yeah. Here in Nashville, oh, so good, so good. I wish I had that avocado salad right in front of me right now. <laughs> um, one of the things that you said that I still to this day have taken away, and it's something that I personally have tried to think about, and it's something that personally I want to address, is that actually what your main issue was with people that were towards the left, liberals, Democrats, and I'm going to quote you just because I still have the notes from this. Um, (laughs) You said, um, the left uses emotions and feelings too much when it comes to their policies. I want them to know that emotions are important, but there's much more to creating policy than how it makes other people feel. And while social issues usually come first to people on the left, they're very important but they're not always the first that should be addressed. And I know one thing that you and I personally talked about in terms of this, because I questioned you a little bit more was, you know, we talked about, you, you talked about a double standard basically being between the left and the right. The example you used at that point was, this was back in February, was the travel ban that Donald Trump had placed on a, you know, a set amount of nations versus, versus what Obama had done. That was very similar. And you saw an obvious double standard and a very obvious bias. Um, for me personally, I agreed with you there and we, (laughs) we, we, no, I mean, (laughs) thank you for understanding me. (laughs) No, I mean, we, we, we actually Agreed on that. And, you know, as we started from that point, you know, it kind of opened up the door to us talking about more different issues. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that while we're sitting here next to each other, both holding a glass of red wine, we've never had an argument. And we we have, I don't think I've ever looked at you differently. I've never thought less of you. I, instead, the conversations that we've had, have led me to understand your thoughts and your opinions more, which I think is important for us as Americans mm-hmm. to do, is to look at each other and yeah. kind of understand that. Yeah. So I think it's worth the mentioning. At the end of the day, we're Americans. Yeah. Overall. Ab- absolutely. And so <laughs> People I think... People forget that, and that's sad to me. And it's... Absolutely. And so I think it's kind of worth mentioning that we have had these discussions over some of the issues we're going to talk about. And we have never, like, I've never, I mean, have I been a bitch for you? If I've been a bitch, you can tell no, me, no. right? Now. No, Patrick is good to me, everybody. Don't. 
and he's I sassy, mean, but I'm yeah, I'm very sassy, <laughs> especially when you when you pump some pump some red wine into me. But um, <laughs> so I think just I think something we should do is just kind of start talking about yeah. some issues. Let's and go for it. Let's just go for it, and you'll you will all very well see that there's going to be some issues that we very much agree on. And there's going to be some issues that we very much disagree on. Right. Um, so let's just start talking immigration. It's a huge thing right now. Immigration, actually, like deportations up 34% last I saw mm-hmm. um, on the news. So I think it's kind of worth mentioning that. Yeah. Um, so let's start talking some immigration things. So when it comes to something that... I even remember, like, us being in college and being, like, frat parties and hearing everyone chant was, build that wall. So, like, what is your kind of take on our border wall? Should the U.S. build a wall on the southern border and and or who should pay for that? Okay. Uh, Yes, I do believe that we need a wall on the southern border, and I think that Mexico should pay for it. And that's not the American people's problem. We shouldn't have to pay for that because we already live here. Um, but we need to throw out the reckless immigration policies that are already in state, and then we need to start enforcing our nation's laws. Um, it's about Congress trying to find ways to build a stronger border, close the gaps, and defend our country's sovereignty. Um, this means more border patrol agents, new authorities, surveillance sensors, and other technology. I mean, my goodness, we have drones flying around in the sky. Like, why don't we utilize that and make a virtual wall? I don't know. I mean, I think, obviously, I think that we need a I mean, real pers- one. But you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, the surveillance isn't as good as it should. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you there. I think the concept of, like, a physical wall is something that is going to be fiscally and financially, like financially something that we just don't need to take on right now in terms of the fact that personally I don't perceive that we have a very strong relationship with the Mexican government based off of things that have been said and things that yeah, have been but done. it's their fault. It's, it, it, I mean, I'm not, I, yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I'm just saying in terms of technology, I mean, whether it's a virtual wall and or a physical wall, right. I would rather invest in, in a virtual wall that's much more cost-efficient, and it's it's something that's actually obtainable within the, the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about construction, I mean, what are you talking about? Like, three-month time span? Yes, it's going to create U.S. jobs, but... For me personally, I just see it as being like a temporary thing, and I think it's just too much of a. I see it as like another trade deal. Like we're gonna have to, you know, basically front the cost of everything, and then Mexico is gonna reimburse us. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, but I think that. <laughs> I mean, do we trust the Mexican government that much that they're gonna reimburse reimburse us for the cost of that? No, there won't be a reimbursement. They're gonna have to pay that up front. Because of all of the bad trade deals, like you said, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, there's been awful trade deals. Oh, goodness. There's been I awful mean, trade deals in the past. We are in a mess right I mean, right now. for the last, like, 20 years, there's been awful trade deals. Right. It didn't start with President Obama. It started, I mean, I mean, and I would argue, I would argue that it started back with, like, the first President Bush, H.W. I would argue that it goes back that far. I could 
I could stand by that. I mean, and I think once Obama got into office... Um, I mean, I the, think him and President Bush both inherited a mess. I think they both inherited a mess. And so... I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to kind of argue that one was better than the other, which like my parents loved President Bush. <laughs> my mother adores Laura Bush. Literally, I think my mother would kneel at the ground <laughs> in front of Laura Bush and, and worship her. But she was also my mother was an educator. My mother was a third grade teacher for twenty nine years. So the fact that That's awesome. Yeah, no, my mother is one of the most incredible educators that I know. I think so highly of her and that was what President uh, Bush's wife, Laura, that that was kind of her, like, first lady yeah. duty was she was very involved in education. And so my mother loves her. But I would argue that bad trade deals go all the way back to yeah. before even either one of them were. I, I mean, I think they sort of started right around the time of Bill Clinton. And yeah. as someone who... I have at least supported his wife for president. I think that's kind of when it all started for trade, me personally. Trade is a really slippery slope because... It is a very slippery slope. You know, we... But, I mean, this is kind of off topic with immigration. But I think that, you know, we need to support our jobs locally. And right We're now we have... We're kind the subject, but that's okay. Yeah, it's all right. We'll come back. <laughs> we'll we'll circle back around to it. We'll circle back, circle back around to it. So, what is kind of your opinion on our Muslim immigrants? I know that... This kind of ties into the travel ban that, you know, President Trump kind of enacted. But, like, should you think that, like, do you think that all Muslim immigrants should be completely banned from entering the country and just until we can provide better vetting and a better screening process? What's your opinion on that? I mean, I have to say yes. I think... I think to ensure the safety of the people in our country, I think we need to take the necessary steps to make sure everybody coming from the Middle East is um, is safe and that we um, aren't going to be put but, into harm's way. But when we get into the argument of whether they're Muslim, we're not arguing about them as a person like you and I are yeah, white individuals. No. We're arguing about their religion. So is this a... Do, do we look at this as a situation where we are basically screening them based off of their religion or no, whether we're looking not. at the content of their character? Because no, just because someone's not. a Muslim doesn't mean that they're a, they're a terrorist. Exactly. And I, this isn't a religious attack. And I feel like people keep on purposefully misconstruing I would argue that. It, that. I, I would argue that the left is yes. at the... The head of what is that that argument that yeah. they are the people that are kind of leading the leading the parade on the fact that it's an attack on these people's religion, and I mean, as someone that identifies on the left, I would argue that it's like my side of the political spectrum that is the ones that are you know kind of yeah. viewing it as that. So yeah, it's just a character thing. I mean, it's like it's like a a Christian gone astray and you know does something bad. Well then the same precautions need to be taken on for them too. You can, we just we have to protect our own at the end of the day. And unfortunately, a lot of the problems come from Muslim-based countries. And unfortunately, you know, that's that hurts and that's sad. And I, I hate to see people that want to come into the United States get turned away. But at the end of the day, we have to 
protect the people on our soil first. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting, too, that you brought up that there are, you know, Christians that go astray, whereas, like, I don't know if you'll remember this. Back in the day when I used to write in college for for an online news source, I read an article that was basically saying that, like, Muslims are the only terrorists in America. That basically anyone that identifies with any particular religion is, you know, and, and, and commits an act of violence against other people in the name of that religion should be considered a terrorist. And I, you know, cited like the Charleston, you know, church shooting yep. and several other things. I think it's worth mentioning too that there is such a thing as terrorism that's not Muslim or like radical Islamic terrorism. There is such a thing as Christian terrorism. And there is such a thing as, you know, other religions that are terroristic too, um, which I think is worth mentioning. But moving away from that too, I mean, as, you know, we allow other people to come into this country, regardless of whether, you know, we necessarily agree and or disagree with their religious beliefs and or, you know, where they come from. Obviously we, you know, we have this travel ban and everything, which hasn't really been approved, which you and I are both in agreement on, I think it it's, it makes sense for the foreseeable future. It's not permanent, but it, it makes sense for the, the foreseeable future. And that's the important thing to realize. Y'all, it's not permanent. It's just to ensure our safety. <laughs> it, what was it, like 190 days or something? I mean, it was like... The first one was only 60. 60. And so for me, and personally... And, and for me personally, like, okay, it doesn't affect me personally... I understand that it affects other people personally. I understand that there are stipulations and uh, and other things that are very important that we need to take into consideration. But at that point, we need to be very proactive on those certain certain things. You, if you're a doctor and, and you practice in the United States and you are from Saudi Arabia, but you preside in the U.S. and you have patients here and you flew back home for whatever, you know, and you're trying to fly back, those are stipulations that are that are government should be lenient on but as a whole i think it's smart i think it's i mean it's something that even president obama did and no one flit their shit over it but now that president trump does it everybody has to lose their cookies over it that's that's (laughs) absurd i mean it's absurd to me and i mean for me personally as someone who is very democrat it's it's frankly just an excuse and I don't like it. I don't like it personally. I don't like it. I this is why he's my friend. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we we agree on this, and I mean, we're so, but the mainstream media tells us that we're not supposed to agree on exactly. this, and it's absurd that they're not reporting on the same things that they did when President Obama right. was in office. They weren't talking about his travel ban. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing all this other stuff, talking about how it's racist and it was, you know completely awful of him yada yada whatever you insert whatever in you know mm-hmm. basically insult it's it's absurd right. it's absurd for me it's absurd for me as, as someone who identifies as a democrat and a liberal it's absurd for me and so i completely we agree on that which is i think i mean we've we've talked before this right. you know recording and we agree on this so another thing that as my mom's an educator she and i have talked about is you know kind of like immigrants assimilation into the United States and obviously obviously like she has taught immigrants before that whether they're illegal you know undocumented legal whatever 
she's taught people who, in the third grade, English is not their primary language. And so, I mean, how do you feel about, you know, immigrants assimilating into the United States? And what what is your kind of view on that? Should they be, like, required to learn English? Or should we kind of... Yeah. You know, no, I, I think I think that's not necessary. I mean, it's the United States of America. We're extremely diverse, and we're proud of that. So, no, I don't think that it should be a requirement. However, I think it would be good if everybody can at least understand English. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it... It's tough. Like, like a basic understanding. Exactly. Like a basic, very basic. Right, right. But, I mean... I, but, I mean, how <laughs> would we kind of go about that basic understanding? I mean, is it, it's something that, like, they have to pass an English test when they get into, you know, like, to pass, like, the citizenship test. I mean, the citizenship test, as it is, most Americans can't pass. Right. Even though we're born and bred here, most Americans don't, can't pass a citizenship test yep. that we offer to people that are immigrating. So... Should we, uh, uh, like, what is the process there? I mean, personally for me, I think that it's completely absurd that we ask people to learn English to move here. If I were going to move to France, they're not going to require me to learn French. If I'm going to move to Germany or Russia, they're not going to require me to learn their language just to, like, move there. I mean, I have a family member who works for... And he, like, works in, like, construction, and he's lived all over this country. Just by, like, living there, he's learned their languages, he's learned their culture, and that sort of thing. He actually married a woman from Russia who had to actually wait for about, I think it was, like, a year and a half, almost two years on the immigration list just to, for them, as a married couple, for her to become a legal U.S. citizen. And... So, for me, like, I mean, she doesn't understand every single piece of English that we say. I mean, especially because you and I are both from the South. So, I mean, she doesn't know what y'all is. She's not right. Like, she, I mean, she doesn't know. I mean, even still here in Nashville, some people are like, y'all, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> what? I'm like, y'all, you all, y'all, y'all, y'all. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, but for her, she speaks English. She's a very intelligent, very wonderful human being, but... English wasn't her primary language, and neither was her child who immigrated here with her. I mean, she has a 13-year... I guess he... I guess his name is Rostislav. He's amazing. I think he's one of the greatest kids ever. He's phenomenal. Um, I, like, jokingly call him Rooster, so he'll probably kill me for the saying that. <laughs> my family will probably ostracize me for saying that. That's what my grandmother calls him. My grandmother calls him that. But, um... Rostislav has done very well in American public schools since he moved here. And so I just, I, I disagree with any kind of way that you like, oh, you have to assimilate and learn our mm-hmm. language. And that be like a basis upon your citizenship yeah, and your entry into the United States. I think as long States. as you can understand it and communicate in a valuable mm-hmm. way, I, I, I don't think that like sitting down and learning the whole English like language is necessary. I mean, I, I barely yeah. pass like English and, in, in, in college, <laughs> but, um, so moving forward, we've talked about, you know, we both are very in support of the travel ban. We're both very in support of, you know, border security. I think border security is a very important thing. I think that 
you know, we've, we talked about kind of like a border wall, you know, yeah. and kind of how I would like to see our border security go, you know, that sort of thing. But for me, as far as immigration goes, I think there's, excuse me, I just had like a wine burp. Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Too much red wine. Cheers. <laughs> but, um. For me, I just think it's very important for us to note that there should be an easier path to citizenship to this to this to this country. And I think that a lot of times we spend a lot of time harping on illegal immigrants that do a lot of bad, but we don't talk about illegal immigrants that are working in that are very good people. And for me, I would hate to see very hardworking people who may have not taken the best route to get here mm. provide a life for their family. And, and this may be something that we disagree on, but <laughs> for me, I understand it's very important to follow the law. I mean, it yeah. the, the, the law is the law for a reason, but there are people, you and I both speed every day. Just to get us to work on time. And we abuse that law. And I think that at the core, what our country is about is we were a nation founded on immigrants. And I think that it's important to understand that people came here for a better life. And that's the the core of what our country was founded upon. Whether or not... I'm not saying anyone and everyone can come here and they shouldn't be allowed to just because there's, 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 there's obviously issues with that. But for me personally, I see it as something that we have to consider. I don't think that a housemate who's been here for 13 years, who may have just barely made it across the Rio Grande because she wanted to get across here to find a better life for her family and send money back to Mexico. I don't think she who has been working her ass off, frankly, should be classified as the same person as like that is, is Juan Pablo, not, I mean, I'm just saying like from, Me- we're talking about the Mexican border, like Juan Pablo, <laughs> not like the bachelor. Cause you know, I love that show. <laughs> not like that one Pablo. Cause uh, <laughs> well, he's an ass, but, but like that one Pablo, like, any, any other person who's, like, selling drugs on the street, she shouldn't be classified as the same kind of person. No, but she came over Yeah, she broke the law, legally. but at the same time, she's not a and violent criminal. she's not being taxed. And we're paying for her to live this life and send that free money over. And we have, you know, vets who fight really hard for our country, and they come back, and they can't find a job. And an illegal alien has that job that veteran can have. And that doesn't set well with me. I agree with you. I I agree with you there. But I would also argue that a lot of times there are people who don't have jobs that are not willing to work. These jobs that illegal aliens and, and, and immigrants are willing to work. I mean... How many people do you know that we know that are willing to work <laughs> as a housekeeper in a hotel? Not many. How many people do we know that are willing to work for minimum wage on a construction job? I mean, you're Because, right. I, I, I mean, this is just me being honest, you know. I mean, at that point, you know, we have to have that same kind of, you know, discussion. But at the core of that, we have, immigration-wise, we have the same general gist that we, that 
immigration shouldn't stop. We should be able to kind of vet it and then allow people at that point. But I think it's also worth mentioning, too, that it's important to note that there's issues that we have to talk about once they're in the country, such as jobs and stuff like that. So we're, we're, we're on the same track there. We have the same kind of concept. We just have different ways about going about <laughs> it. So I want to move from there onto something Ooh. even bigger what? than immigration. I mean, we've literally spent the last like 30 minutes talking about hey, immigration. Hey, immigration, you can go on for days. Uh, I could literally spend the next like, 12 <laughs> years talking about immigration. So let's talk about foreign policy. How do you feel right. about that? You 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 Woo. ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. So, I'm ready. All right. Um, so when we talk about foreign policy, for me personally, the biggest thing is terrorism. Yeah. And for me personally, I think the war, like the war on terror in the Middle East, is something that, for me personally, I think we got into because. W. Bush wanted to appease what his daddy couldn't. And I think he wanted to... (laughs) (laughs) You're literally raising your hand. Sorry. I mean, same. Like, we're we're in agreement on that. And I think it was absurd of us We should have never went to war. We should have never, ever, ever, ever. But here we are. not. Here we are. That was when we were in second grade, Vic. We were in second grade. Desert Storm. Operation Desert Storm. Well, yeah, but even before. 91. (laughs) But I mean. Never ending battle, baby. (laughs) It's just, God, like, why are we still in the Middle East? I mean, my uncle actually served in Desert Storm. My dad did, too. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Yeah, my dad served in 91 Operation. Wait, which branch was he in? The Army? He's Army. He's Army Aviator Flu Apaches. Oh my God! Aviation's stop. in the family. Oh, look at you! And now, Vic is actually engaged to a helicopter pilot yeah. in the army. Now, it's literally come full circle for yeah. you. Oh my God! Yeah. That. Oh my God! My stop! Step, it's my, so cute. Stop! My I can't. Was a black You're literally pilot beaming. Too. You're beaming stop. right now. It is so cute. <laughs> No, oh my God, you should not be embarrassed. Oh my God, stop. I didn't know that then. Yeah. yeah. I had no clue. Oh my God, I'm spilling my wine. How embarrassing. Um, Come from a big military family. (laughs) That is, well, I mean, that is probably part of the reason why you believe the way that you do and why you are so, I mean, one thing that I know about you is you're so supportive of like veterans rights and veterans and stuff, but we'll get, we'll get into that in a minute, so. Terrorism. I mean, like, when we talk about terrorists, I uh, obviously we have the Middle East and everything that's going on there. But like, let's talk about terrorists that are here in America. Yeah. Like, we have the Boston Marathon. Yep. We have, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that shot up an LGBT club. You know, o- Omar, whatever his name was. I don't even remember him. I also think about terrorists that have attacked us on our own soil. San Bernardino. We have several different things we need to talk about in terms of that. Not every single one of them has been foreign killed and or foreign and you know in terms of some of the like I mean I know the guy that was a uh, you know the pulse and the pulse shooter in Orlando he was an American citizen he was a U.S. citizen should I mean if he had not been killed and he had been captured by police should he have been given U.S. constitutional rights absolutely not nope. The moment he goes in and he wants to kill fellow Americans, 
and act as a terrorist, you've lost your right to get your constitutional rights. Nope, that's that's your own fault. He he screwed that up the moment he decided to kill others beside him. No, I don't want to hear it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no. I mean, I I we are one hundred and twelve thousand percent on the same page there. For me personally, as a gay man, the pole shooting I took very personally and it is as something that I still to this day it 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 breaks my heart to to talk about. And for me, as a quote unquote constitutional American, how can you as an American look at someone else, regardless of whether you agree and or disagree with their sexuality, and shoot them in cold blood. That that bothers me. Yeah. It bothers me too that there are people like the guy who shot up a bl- predominantly black church in Charleston and said that he did it because he didn't like black people. Why is he not cl- like called a terrorist? Why why are we not classifying it as terrorism? Because he it was. Uh, it was a racist attack, but he wouldn't have gotten the same sentence necessarily per se as like a terrorist that were you know, captured in the United States. For me personally, I if you, if you are attacking someone as an American based off of their race, sex, gender, sexuality, religion, whatever it's considered. I consider it terrorism. You may disagree with me there, but no, for I, me, oh. I if you're attacking an American, regardless of what you personally believe, it, I consider it a terrorist attack. Okay, so I just looked up the... Ter- uh, oh my the def- god, you, you just pulled out your phone. <laughs> the, definition, the definition of a terrorist, and it's a person who uses unlawful violence, intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. Well, that man that killed those people in the Church of Charleston, he's a terrorist. Regardless... regardless of what people try to make that out to be. Oh, it's a racist attack? Well, hmm. It's for political aims, well, though. He's a terrorist. People need to immediately realize the moment that you are trying to hurt your fellow American. Well. Not not even, like, hurt. Ter- I mean, the fact that he tried to kill people, and he did yeah, kill people. He did. He literally killed, I think it was, like, six or eight people or something like that. I mean, I don't know the exact number, but, yeah. I mean... He's not serving the same kind of sentence as other people, which I just personally think is wrong. But, okay, so let's move forward. So, United Nations, something that's kind of prevalent now with, like, North Korea and the Security Council. Uh Uh, Should we as Americans stay in the United Nations? Do you think we should stay in the United Nations? Yes, I think we should, just because the United States of America is really strong, and we're we're really strong, and, like, we... we are a really big um, part of the United Nations. The United Nations. We were. Wait. Okay. So we both. Okay. So you went. You're you're from Ozark, and yes. I'm from Bruton. So I knew a lot of your friends when we were like in middle school because we did oh, the yeah. Model United Nations. Oh. Did you do the Model United Nations? I didn't. Yeah. Okay. So I knew like Meg, who ended up being like Miss Alabama, uh-huh. and then like Casey. That's how I met Casey Schumann. She and I <laughs> were in Model friend. United Nations. Uh-huh. Yeah, one of your best friends from Ozark. And I'm trying to think of 
I, I knew a couple other people that were from Ozark. Mm-hmm. But anyways, okay, so I did, like, Model United Nations in, like, third grade. Or not third grade. Like, fifth grade to, like, ninth grade, mm-hmm. I think. So, like, I, like, learned about United Nations, yeah. like, every week. I thought it was great. You know, I was on the security council. I remember, like, Casey and I actually served as, like, officers <laughs> That's funny. for the oh Mod United Nations. It was at Troy University. Oh, so, like, it was, like, a hop, a skip, and a jump from you. And yeah, you right down up, the street. <laughs> literally down the street. So, I literally, like, kind of grew up basically learning about the United Nations mm-hmm. and how important it was. And for yes. me, it's something that's very important. And so, that's why I wanted to bring it up with us. Yeah. United Nations generates a lot of peace. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a, we, need to, we need to maintain that. Absolutely. For me, personally... I see the United Nations as doing a lot of good for a lot of people. Right. But my issue is, is that the United States should stop being the United Nations. We should stop being the peacekeepers of the entire world and let the United Nations and every other country do their part in keeping it peaceful and doing their fair share. I am tired of seeing us fork out whatever amount of money we do and... I'm tired of it. I think that we have done more than our fair share within the United Nations. And I think it's time for other countries to do their fair share. Yeah. I I don't want us to see, I don't want to see us leave it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm just, I think it's an issue that comes down to how much money have we spent versus other countries? Right. How much money have we spent versus other countries that that have like the kind of same GDP as us that we're not, that aren't forking out the same amount of money as us. How much, you know, how many troops are we putting forward within the United Nations that other people aren't? So, um, within the United Nations, a big thing right now is the whole issue with North Korea. And obviously the security council within the United Nations (laughs) kind of put forth some sanctions against them and everyone was on agreement with it. I mean, personally, I was I was all for it, and now we are in a much more heated conversation. I guess you could per se oh, yeah. with North Korea with <laughs> uh, with uh, some things <laughs> that our uh, president has said, and some things that they've said they're going to do. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to North Korea, I mean, should we as the United States kind of put forth a more offensive approach when it comes to North Korea, or should we take a more defensive approach? What, what, what I'm curious to like know what your opinion is on this. So we have been on this topic of airstrikes and should we move in and do what we need to do to pretty much destroy it? Well, I don't think we should just, like, do a little strike. I don't think that we should just go in and, like, make our voices heard and retreat back, as I feel like we have done for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we've just done the bare minimum. Well, with North Korea, they're not going to stop. And I feel like... Yeah, no, I mean, they're... I mean, I think... What is his name? Kim Kim Jong-un. Kim (laughs) Jong-un. Asshole. Asshole. What an ass. Like... (laughs) So, With a name like that, you're a you're an ass. I don't care. So, Whatever. Awful name. Awful name. So I mean, like people don't realize, like we just can't 
beep bop around and like go in there and do a little strike. We need to attack full force. We need to invade. You know, North Korea has over 10,000 artillery tubs that can hit Seoul. And our job is to come in, help, and push them back out so that um, the line of, we will push the foreign line of troops back enough to keep Seoul out of harm's way. And you know what's interesting? Is people also aren't realizing, well, that China is a huge issue with this. No one wants to speak out and say that. And China China is a big part of this. I agree with that. I agree with because that. Because China is greedy. And, you know, they've made billions and billions of dollars off of North Korea and Iran. They have, you know, brought sanctions in, as you were saying. And it's a bunch of shipments of oil in ways that, you know, they want to they wanna keep that relationship together. Well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's our job to go in there and finally put this down, put it to an end. I'm tired of hearing about North Korea. I'm tired of them being. I mean, a I'm problem. tired of them trying to bully everybody. And, and I'm. So, I'm yeah. I mean, we're not going to have any change from North Korea anytime soon until no. we fix the China issue. Mm-hmm. Abs- I completely agree there. I completely agree there. For me too, though, I think that this has been an overwhelming issue that we've needed to talk about for a while that I believe President Obama didn't want to talk about. No, I think the United Na- I, I think the United Nations did not want to talk about it. And it is such an important issue. Now, after our president has basically been like, okay, well, you know what? Screw you. F you. I'm going to blow the shit out of you if yep. you screw with us. And she- now I feel like at this point, though, Vic, Everyone wants to talk about it, and that bothers me. It bothers me as someone that identifies on the left. This is an issue that we need to talk about for a while. And now, oh, oh, our president said he's going to bomb the shit out of you, so now you're going to threaten us again? Well, you know what? Screw you. Blow the shit out of them. It's just how I felt. I I mean, I even texted you the day that President Trump dropped the Moab, mother of all bombs. You know what? <laughs> Blow the shit out of those assholes. Blow the shit out of ISIS, which we're going to get into in a minute. But <laughs> blow the shit out of them. Who the hell cares? They're I, not they're not people that we even care about. They are awful human beings that are threatening the American way of life and I don't like it. And sometimes you got to make a stand. And sometimes you have to make a stand. Necessarily, I don't agree with what President Trump said. In regards to the whole, you know, oh, well, I'll blow them up, yada, yada. I don't think we should have gone on the offense immediately. I think it... But sometimes... But at the same control. time, I think he, as a businessman, is like, you know what? I'm taking a stand and that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I didn't really necessarily agree with his initial statement. But if you hurt anybody, even in Guam, I don't even know a damn person in Guam, Vic. They're, but if you hurt those people, they they are a part of our. Yes, they uh, are. They are part of our country. They're they're a territory, but they're a part of our country. If you hurt a single person there, I'm be raging pissed. I'm be pissed as hell. Well, Trump's gonna make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> Sorry, Trump. I had to say it. <laughs> well, I mean, for me personally, I mean, like, well, shit, like, uh, I, I remember calling my mom the day that. I was sitting at work 
And I remember looking at my phone and seeing that we had dropped, you know, the Moab on right. ISIS. And I remember looking at my mom on FaceTime and being like, Mom, I am scared. And she's like, why are you scared? And I was like, Mom, I live in a major city. Like, I live in a huge city. I mean, and whether, you know, Nashville feels pretty small to us now because we've yeah. lived there for like a year. But like, Nashville is a huge city. And I remember looking at my mom and being like, we're not a huge city, but we're a big city. Yeah. What if they come back at Nashville? Like, I, I was, I, I genuinely was fearful at that point. And my mom goes, honey, the president's got it. You don't need to worry. You just need to go to bed. You need to go to bed. <laughs> don't worry about it. You just need to go home, go to bed. eat some dinner, and go to bed. And I remember thinking, okay, you're crazy, but all right, whatever you, whatever you say, <laughs> Kathy Weaver, I love you. So, all right, well, moving kind of forward past some foreign policy issues let's talk about some economic stuff all right just because i mean we've kind of i feel like all this kind of comes back to the economy i mean you know illegal immigrants foreign policy all this kind of stuff one thing that i feel like is worth noting since you and i are both residents of the state of tennessee is Mm -hmm. that the state of tennessee i guess it was in 2015 2014 they actually drug tested everyone that was on welfare. And I think it was like 11 people that they, that tested positive for drugs that were on welfare. So like economically, I mean, do you think this is a smart thing or do you think this is, you know, something we should pursue further? Uh, I mean, obviously a lot of our tax dollars go towards welfare. And I think it's worth mentioning economically that this is something that, a lot of other states are considering. So uh, what's your, what's your take on this? I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, people need to be drug tested if they're on welfare, just because it's, it's not fair to the other person that, you know, is on welfare. But do you know how expensive it is you know to, what? to drug test people? I mean, for me personally, I'll be very honest. I mean, I had to be drug tested for six months while I was on probation, which a lot of our listeners will probably be kind of shocked about, but yeah, I mean, it was $50 per drug test okay. for the minimal drug, like for the smallest drug test that I had to do, like the, the very basic one, it was like $49 a drug test for me to go piss in a cup. Like when you think about that in terms of taxpayers, do- like taxpayer dollars, and you have thousands and thousands of people that are on welfare, is it worth your tax dollars to catch 11 people? I mean... To save, I, I do. to save you what, like 50 cents on a dollar? I understand what you're saying. And, like, it, that's one of those things where, you know, what do we let slide a little bit in order to pay for something more important? But I mean, it, for me personally, my- I think it's – I think, obviously, people that are strung out and people that have addiction issues should not be getting welfare assistance. But I think it's something we should look at before. Before we allow them welfare, not something that we do continuously while they're on welfare, just because financially it's just not smart. For me personally, I just don't think it's financially smart. I don't think it's a, a, a good way of spending our tax dollars. I don't know. I just don't want to contribute. I'd rather contribute my hard-earned money towards a drug test to ensure that the person that is getting these handouts um, deserves it. It's a good person, yeah. Yeah, and... I w- I'm more willing to pay for that with my taxes than someone that I know is abusing it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, think I, I, 
I, I see the argument there. And while I don't necessarily agree with it, I, I see the argument there and I understand it. And I mean, just, just for me personally, economically, I just don't think it's, yeah. I don't, I personally just don't think it's the way to go, but I mean, continuing on economically, I mean, when we're talking about taxpayer dollars and stuff like that, one thing that personally comes to my mind is how we do, like, paid sick leave, mm-hmm. paid leave for people, you know, like, I, I mean, personally, like, my boss just had a baby, 11 pounds. Can you believe that? His wife had an 11-pound wow. baby. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. That's, you didn't, I looked at him in the face and I was like, you didn't have a baby. She gave birth to, like, a linebacker. I was like eight. I was like eight pounds when I was born, I was and I was, eight, I was eight flat. Stop. Were you really okay? So I was like, eight, I think I was like eight pounds six ounces or something like that. I mean, I thought I was a big ass baby, oh, and no, eleven pounds. I think it was like eleven pounds six ounces. Jeez, shit, like that. She oh. gave birth to a linebacker. Like That's a tough woman, Sarah. If you're listening, you did not give birth to a child. You gave birth to a linebacker, <laughs> literally a linebacker. But, I mean, I've said this literally to my boss's face. So, um, within a week, though, my boss was back at work. Yeah. I mean, while he didn't have the child, per se, I mean, he didn't birth, obviously, their child. And But, I mean, I don't know how much his wife gets as far as, like, her paid leave. I know she, she's, like, speech-language pathology. Like, she's a speech pathologist. But... Yeah. In terms of businesses paying for, you know, their salaried employees to have a child, I mean, is that something that you think that is important? Yeah, I mean, I'm a woman, and I want kids one day, and I want to... Oh, my God, you and Chris are going to have a beautiful child. Oh, my my God, I can't even talk about it. Oh, my God. Ah! I'm so excited. Stop. Well, that's going to be a long time from now. Yeah, I was going to say, don't get pregnant right now. I'm not in the mid for that. Uh Uh-uh, no. I'm not ready to be Aunt Patrick yet, so. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I can't afford the cute little smunk outfits that I want to buy for your children. You're sweet. But, I mean. Future Army Captain. That's going to be, it's going to be monogrammed on, like, a cute little, like, it's not going to be orange because we hate orange. We went to Alabama. We hate orange. Foul color. Yeah. Okay, foul. Um, Is that that like an army color? Foul? No, like foul gross. Disgusting. Oh, Orange. I thought you... Oh, I was like, is foul like an army color? <laughs> I was like, oh, is that like an, like an army green or something? Is like the actual name of army green? No. It'll be like a cute, like, like army green and like a, and like a white. Because we don't do orange. I don't, I don't do orange. Orange is like very reminiscent of Hunter and like, I don't do the, the woods. Uh, that's yeah. why I moved to a big city. Because I don't do the woods. I don't do, I don't no, do, I don't no do woods. suburban life. It's not for me. You thrive here. I thrive. I thrive so, in Nashville. I thrive in Nashville in a big city, <laughs> which is why I live downtown. So, so okay. I, so continuing. Okay. Yes. Continuing. Sorry. Yes. So I mean, do I think that they need to get paid the full amount of income that they have? Probably not. Just because. Just because. W- they're not there, and they're they're not, not there, and I mean, some of them want to take up to eight weeks of leave. I mean, that's just not feasible for a company. But what I do think should be done is there needs to be a, like an insurance policy that covers them. So it's kind of like a disability check that people get when they Mm -hmm. cannot get. Absolutely. So there, so it ensures that that employee is taken care of, that they're able to go about, you know, taking care of their child. Because pregnancy should not, 
pregnancy and having a child right. and bringing a child into this world should not be considered something like a disability. Like for me personally, like you bringing in a child into this world is an amazing thing. It right. is a phenomenal thing and you shouldn't be penalized for it. No, you shouldn't. Especially within corporate America. Right. But like sometimes you just have to step back and realize, you know, when an employee isn't there for that amount of time, that can... I mean, eight weeks for me, that's like, what, two months? Like, that's... Yeah. that's For me personally, I mean, I'm not ever going to birth a child, and I'll never have, like, a wife that's going to birth a child. So, for me personally, I can't understand that. But, I mean, when you're talking, yeah. like, C-section and stuff, that, I mean, that's they, a, they need the recovery. Surgery. It's a major exactly. surgery. And a lot of times, that is not the mother's choice. Right. I mean... Based on Most of the time, it's not I mean, their choice. Makes, yeah, I was going to say, me watching Grey's Anatomy, I know it's not a lot of the choice. I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> I watch, you know I love Grey's Anatomy. Grey's you know, it's literally my Joe favorite. is my spirit animal. Oh my God, stop. I can't talk about it. I love <laughs> Joe. Joe and Karev forever. Okay. I'm on the last season, so don't spoil I anything for me. So don't spoil anything. But for me personally, my thing is that no woman should feel penalized for having a child and bringing a child into the world. They should not feel penalized and or like worried financially about them having a child. I mean, there are so many different complications. You can be the most healthy mother possible and there are still going to be there there's still the possibility yeah. for complications during labor i mean as long as you, you can't help as long that. as there's a policy that ensures that they're going to be taken care of i don't think giving them their full amount of income is necessary do you understand what i'm saying like yeah to a degree I mean, yes I, I mean to a degree we both we both want the mother and the child to be taken care of regardless of whatever right. means that, that, that there is the end is the same. We both want yeah. <laughs> mother and child to be, be taken, care. taken care of, which is, I mean, what is, I think it's like Shakespeare or something where, you know, like just what? do the end justify the means. That's right. probably not, that's probably not whatever. Shakespeare. I probably just made Wait, that I'm up not a Shakespearean head, so. Okay. So, <laughs> well, we're going to be forward before I look like a complete and total utter fool. Um, we're not. So we're going to talk about something that personally I feel very, very passionate about. So we're going to, Oh gosh. we talk. I'm in the ring of fire, everybody. (laughs) You're literally not in the ring. I mean, uh, I'm in the ring of fire. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to move forward. I want to talk about some social issues in our country and we've talked about economic immigration, foreign policy and everything else. Let's talk about some social issues. Obviously, people can see that we agree and disagree on some, you know, stuff. Yeah, and I and think this is the biggest. This like, is probably this is where we degree, disagree the most. This is, but, uh, yeah, I would arguably, I would, I, I would argue that this is probably where we disagree the most, but also where we agree we res- the most too. We respect each other the most on this. I will say, I, I could. Not, I could not worry about her. So. And everybody, I just want everyone to know, like, this is what's the most important, especially with millennials right now, is we, we're all so different, but we have to look at each other and understand that everyone's different. And that if you just can give respect to the person that may be completely different from you, just, just it works wonders. It, it, <laughs> it's amazing. It literally works <laughs> wonders. Like, obviously, people will see that you and I are very, very different <laughs> When it comes to some of these things that I want to talk about personally, um, but 
I know no matter what that you respect me as a human being oh, yeah. and as an American and as a tax paying <laughs> citizen that loves this country more than I love anything else. Because if I was anywhere else, there's a very possible chance that I would not be sitting here having the same conversation That's with you. The truth. And I think it is yep. so admirable that you have so many different types of friends. Yeah. You're not the kind of friend that is like, oh, I only associate with Republicans. I am probably the most leftist person that you know, and we hang out all the time. Yeah. And I saw you at brunch today. Oh, yep. my God. Like, for Christ's sake. So, oh, my God, I wish I had some more mimosas. So, I mean, it's, it's, getting, late. it's getting late in the day. So, City Fire, Nashville. If you're from yeah. Nashville or you're going to visit Nashville, City Fire, phenomenal brunch. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. $15 bottomless mimosas. They're phenomenal. And they're generous. They're, oh, they're very, yes. Oh my God. I had like four and I was like, okay, I have to stop because I have to record this podcast later. <laughs> so, okay. okay. I mean, just to kind of dive in on these All social right, issues. Let's, go. let's, let's just go balls to the wall and on it. I mean, Planned, parent, Planned Parenthood, huge issue that, I mean, once I started to talk about this podcast with myself, I kind of. Did a convenient sampling, convenience, you know, uh, kind of questionnaire of, you know, what my social media followers thought were the most important issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of them were social issues and a lot of them, like, had to do with, like, economic issues and our deficit and that sort of thing. Right. But one of the main issues that I kept coming across, I mean, probably because I'm from South Alabama and I'm from a very conservative base. Mm-hmm. was that a lot of people wanted to defund Planned Parenthood. So, like, as far as Planned Parenthood and abortion goes, like, what what do you think? It, we'll sort of go from there. We'll sort of go from there. Okay. So, <clears throat> when I first started digging into understanding what Planned Parenthood really was, I'm not going to lie to you, I was really disappointed I was working at the Laura Ingram show in 2015, and that's when all of the um, the situation with Planned Parenthood and how they were selling fetus parts to gain income for Planned Parenthood. Which I completely and, and totally and disagreed that, with. Disagreed with. Right. And disagreed that, with. That instantly put a really bad taste in my mouth. And I mean, which it should anyone. Exactly. And the fact that nobody was talking about this, no one was understanding that, you know, this is an extremely disgusting, demoralizing issue. It bothered me. But I'm going to step back for a second and... Which, you know that I was adopted. So... Yes. The argument of adoption versus abortion is very close to me and very close to my family. So we're, we're on the same page right. to start with. So continue. Right. continue. So I'm, that's why I was saying, like, I'm going to try and step back because I understand as a woman that having that chance to make a decision for myself is very important. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I don't I don't want the government telling me what I can and cannot do with my body. Hell no. Hell because no. Because at the end of the day, 
only 50% understand what I'm going through because the other half is a man. So I don't, I don't want somebody that would never understand that feeling making these decisions for me, but I am a Christian. So I, I don't think that abortion is right. I don't. Based off of your religious religious beliefs, beliefs. not necessarily your humanitarian beliefs, but based off your religion. But, but I will say that I mean, I'm not trying to get, like, dark, but there are young girls who were snatched up off the side of the street, <laughs> you know, that were I mean, there are, beaten there are and raped. Yeah. And they will never, ever have the opportunity to enjoy their lives as a young girl. That was stripped away from them. So I think that abortion needs to be an option in situations like that when people take it away from you. Now, I understand, like... If I was to slip up right now as a 23-year-old woman, that was my choice. I screwed up. I should have been better. Well, then I need to keep that child. But I think I think that if that was completely if taken away from If it was taken away, from, away me, from you through something like rape and or like incest, it's, it's, it's not your fault. Exactly. So, so I think that door needs to remain open for people to have that choice based off the situation that they're in. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it's, it's funny because like, that is something that like both of my parents who could not have children, my mother could not have a child and she waited 12 years Mm -hmm. on an adoption list before she got me. So (laughs) I'm a golden child. I do no wrong. I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) like I am her, I am her pride and joy. Exactly. And my mom is probably my biggest hero. She Mm -hmm. is my best friend. I adore her and I can't imagine as a woman not being able to have a child because that is something that is so pertinent to your womanhood. Whether you want a child or not. I mean, I watch Southern Charm. I don't know if you do. (laughs) I don't, but but I've heard a lot about it. Oh my God, I love (laughs) Southern Charm. So like Cameron, who's like a character in Southern Charm, like she has like a very internal conflict where she's like, I could have a child, but I just don't think I want one. But she also feels like, she's like, I would be basically like robbing a child of having a dad as great as her husband. And so Mm -hmm. like, I admire her. Like she's literally one of my favorite people in the world just because she's, she's about to have a child. She's pregnant. She's like eight months pregnant. Oh my God. I'm (laughs) so sorry. Oh, I can't even talk about it. But for me personally, the conflict doesn't come from the fact that I was adopted, not aborted. It comes from me as a man who will never give birth to a child. Yeah. I cannot look at a woman ever and say, regardless of her situation, yes or no, it's not my call. Yeah. Do I think that, and I think it's worth mentioning too, that Planned Parenthood, while they do provide abortion services, those services are not funded by governmental donation. The government, yes, they fund Planned Parenthood, but whatever it is, those funds cannot be used for abortion cost. While necessarily you don't agree with abortion, there's a vast other kind of dimension of what Planned Parenthood does besides abortion. They're not an abortion clinic. 
Right. They're yeah. not just somewhere you I mean, go they provide other just services. for abortion. It, 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 they provide other services as well. But when it comes to abortion, uh, abortion, federal dollars, federal dollars that are donated from our government cannot be used to fund abortions. That That is a fact of the matter. There is no... There is no argument there. They cannot be used. If they have been used, that's not Planned Parenthood's fault as an, as like, as an organization. It's the people that were in charge. And those are the people that should be held responsible, not the organization as a whole, which is where I have an issue. Okay. I think it's completely and totally immoral to defund Planned Parenthood. I think it's such an important thing. I think that... The vast, what I mean, the vast majority of our congressmen and women, whether they're you know in the House or in the Senate, are men. But what they should be making decisions about your health care. No, they they shouldn't. But what people don't realize about Planned Parenthood is like when I was telling you about when they were like you know. I mean, which we agreed on. Yeah, yeah, they that's that's completely and totally immoral. It's awful, awful. The the people. That were that make all these calls, they're pocketing those dollars, which is and that's disgusting. But is it not the kind of same thing that was privatized prisons? No, who make a dollar off of imprisoning people off of very nonviolent charges? So I mean, I, I, I mean, I would argue that it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, people just at the same time. Money. Which I mean, obviously, the 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 people that were in charge of Planned Parenthood at that point, are no longer in charge of Planned Parenthood. So, but moving forward <laughs> on social issues, I mean, we agree. We, we did good there. We did, we did really good there. I mean, I thought we... That was, a, that was a high five, everyone. That was kind of, <laughs> it's kind of shitty. Sorry, okay. I oh. had too much wine. Yeah, there we go, girl. <laughs> Vic and I both had like three glasses of wine. It's oh fine. Um, I mean, moving forward, too, okay. like on social issues, something that is... Very, I think, important to address mm-hmm. that you and I have a stark disagreement on is police brutality and like the Black Lives Matter movement. You are, you are very much Miss Tommy Laren on this subject. I am very much more of like an Al Sharpton. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, no, I would never. I, I would hate to like attribute myself to Al Sharpton. I am much more intelligent, so. Um, <laughs> that's probably awful to say, and I'll probably, like, the black community will hate me for that, even though... No, they're am, not! Even though I am very much a proponent of their community, and I love them, and I support them, and I support the Black Lives Matter. He does. Black Lives Matter right. movement is literally... I support it fully, but anyways, okay. So, police brutality, what... In terms of, like... Should we require, I mean, you know, this is actually funny for our viewers. I was on Nancy Grace our senior year of college. Oh I don't even know if you knew this. Oh, no, I didn't know. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> Why am I just finding this out? <laughs> Nancy Grace is crazy. I love her. She's crazy as shit, though. Okay, so, do you remember, like, <laughs> back in the day when... I say back in the day, it was a year and a half ago. Like, literally, like, we're that old. Um, after the whole, like, police brutality thing at, at Alabama, after the LSU game, 
I guess I'm living under a rock. Oh, God, you LSU know, game. It was after the LSU. <laughs> okay, so there was there were these guys and this girls in an apartment, and they basically like had several noise complaints. No, and then, I, I yes, I it was on Twelfth Avenue. Yes, I heard about. Yes, this. okay, so I ended up like walking up like up on the scene while the police were like tasing people and beating the shit oh, out of them, geez. and I was like, what "The fuck is going on?" Like. No clue. So, no one was, like, saying anything about it. And I watched the whole thing happen. <laughs> so, one of my best friend's pledge sisters was a reporter for AL.com. And so, she called me, Carol. Carol, if you're listening, props to you, baby. Um, Carol called me, and she was like, hey, will you give a statement? You know, I want to interview you about this. I basically talked to Carol on the phone. I told her what I saw, told her what I thought. Right. That sort of thing. Well, then that interview got picked up by... Oh, my God. Like, of course WBUA it did. WBUA 23, oh. like the UA TV station. And then the next thing you know, so I do an on-air interview for them. Well, then ABC 3340 out of, like, Birmingham is there. Then the next thing you know, I'm sitting in the library in Gorgas Library, like, literally sitting in front, I can see, like, the quad from, like, the third floor. I'm, like, studying for a test. I see a notification pop up on my phone, and it's a Twitter, like, DM. It's from some guy, and he was like, hey, I'm a producer for, <laughs> for you know, the Nancy Grace show. Would, oh you know, gosh. we want to interview you, basically, off, off all of this stuff that has happened. We saw all of your other interviews. So I was like, well, hell, you know what? I called my mom, and I go, Mom... I'm going to be on the Nancy Grace show, and you're just going to have to get used to it, and that's going to be that. <laughs> and from there, I mean, I mean, from Not there surprised. at that point, it just kind of <laughs> exploded. And after that, I had so many people ask me for interviews and stuff. Because he was destined to be famous. The, uh, I, I, Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, I was, destined, I was destined to host. An, I was destined to host a podcast. That is exactly what needed to happen. So. <laughs> Okay, okay, so... But anyways, back on. to police, police brutality. So, yeah. I think there needs to be a comprehensive training reform with yeah. every single police department in the entire United States. I don't care where you are, how small the police department is. There needs to be a comprehensive so kind of training that you go through. And I think police officers that exploit... That that display issues with things like anger and aggression should not be police officers. Well, just like I couldn't be in my field as a salesman if I was like anxious and nervous right, and right. stuff all the time. I wouldn't be. I, I mean, I'm a personal person. I work in sales, so I can uh -huh. I, I can walk up to any kind of business owner right. and talk to them about what I do. If you're a police officer and you don't have that capability, you should not be a police officer. I'm sorry. I just don't think that's a, that's okay. Well, if you have mental, right now, if you have mental health issues, you should not be a police officer. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there's going to be some screenings before someone Absolutely. tries to become, you know, our civilian defense, but not that I don't, I am yeah. so appreciative of yeah, what they of do and, and, and the sacrifice that they make. Just like, I mean, I couldn't serve in the military. 
I couldn't do that well, right now. that's what and I was then, getting at is that our police officers right now. They're, they're wonderful people. Their training, though, is um, based off of how the military is trained. Mm-hmm. And so when you are acting in battle, your first defense is to pull out your weapon because you know that your enemy coming upon you is their incentive is to hurt you or try to kill you. It, well, absolutely. our police officers are trained the same way. They are not in battle 24-7. No, they're so not. So I think that... They're the poli- not... Nine times out of ten, they're yeah. not in battle. So a lot of these situations that we see where they're pulling their gun out immediately, it's because that's that's how they were trained. And people don't realize that. And so I think, we should have... So uh, yes, you're basically it, saying we should... We should... Yes. Look at the way that they're trained and, and, it, and needs to, it. it. needs to st- start at the foundation. It's a comprehensive... I, exactly. Comprehensive I think if they change training. the way that they're trained, I think a lot of these problems would stop. Just because... I agree. I agree. Just because they would act um, first, their first, uh, you know, action on the enemy or when they feel at harm, it would be different. So... I, I I started the training. <laughs> I, I think it. I mean, at that point, I think that's really where it kind of starts at. So uh, we're we're in agreement there. I think that it's very important also to kind of note that when it comes to like police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement, I support the Black Lives Matter movement at its core. I don't support people blocking yes. interstates. I don't support these demonstrations that are obvious signs, like completely obvious signs of like complete and utter just obstruction of our justice and, and obstruction of the public. Like I understand and I empathize and I am fully in support of what the Black Lives Matter movement at at, at its core means, but for you to act out and to, it's not a time for you to loot it's not a time for you to break shit it's not a time for you to, to act like a complete and total hooligan Martin Luther King achieved the civil rights movement based off peaceful protest yeah were white people necessarily peaceful towards him no but all his followers were very peaceful and that's the kind of I think a the kind of movement that the Black Lives Matter movement should kind of mimic, whereas they're not. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, personally, I mean, I can't speak as a... I'm, I'm a white man. I personally cannot imagine what it feels like to be anything other. You're right. Just because I, I can't empathize at that point. But I think that it's so important for us to talk about police brutality and to not just be like, oh, I'm a black the blue because that's what Tommy Lahren said, yada, yada, yada. Like, no, that's, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. There are awful cops that should not wear the badge and not wear the uniform. I'm sorry. Just like there are awful people that should not wear our military uniforms. And that's just something I feel passionate about. And I just, I just, I don't agree with that. So, but I think we're, we're on the right step. And you and I agree to disagree on some of the little minor yeah. issues of it. But, I mean, at the core, we agree. So, moving forward on some social issues, something that, personally, I feel very, very, very passionate about is 
some of the LGBT rights in America. As a very proud and open gay man, I think that our society needs to conform to the fact that we're here, we're not going anywhere. And when it comes to things like jobs and when it comes to things like housing, there are still states that allow discrimination based upon your sexual orientation. And I think that is wrong. I have a very close friend here in Nashville, Tennessee, who works for a man who... I'm not going to say what company, what, it, what who this friend is, whatever. Basically said that he didn't want to hire someone because he was a quote-unquote fruitcake. And because we're in the South and there is no discrimination policy available, this capable candidate right. was discriminated against based off of his sexual orientation or perceived sexual orientation. And that is wrong. That is wrong. Yeah. It's very wrong. And for me personally, <laughs> I mean, people, like, people are people. I, uh, that is, that's wrong. And there should be protections for people like me who, uh, if I'm being a matter, like, if I'm just saying, like, a, a matter of fact, like, I'm a minority in America. The LGBT community is a minority in America. And, not only for gay people, but even, like, when we look at trans people, they are discriminated against in the workplace much more than any other kind of facet of people in America, which is wrong. It doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree. If someone's completing their job and doing what they're supposed to do and fulfilling their description, their job description, mm-hmm. and, and ex- even exceeding that, there is no reason for them to lose their job. Right. Yet we see a very high unemployment rate within trans people and within the LGBT community as a whole. A lot of us don't work in corporate America, I feel like. Uh, uh, from my own personal standpoint, I don't know the statistics, but for me, I feel like a lot of the LGBT community that I know work in the service industry because it's such a accepting field, but why can't we mimic that within corporate America too? Like, what is, what is the issue there? I mean, I mean, mean, do you think that it's something that we as Americans aren't accepting of? I mean, what do we need to do as far as the discrimination within the workplace goes? Well, I think above all else, we are all Americans first. And people need to recognize that if you can complete your job and you can do it just as well as anybody else, it shouldn't matter if you're gay, straight, trans, it should never matter. We're an evolving country. We are only getting newer. And I think... we're, We're relatively kind of a new country if you think about it. I mean... Right. 1865, I and mean, we're not, we're what, like 200 and something years old? I mean, we're, we haven't been around that long. It's not <laughs> like we've been here since the dawn of damn time. Like, right. 
We should so, be we should expect to progress, and I think that not acknowledging social progression is absurd for Americans. Yeah, and I, I think mean, this is an important part of social progression. And I like when I will never forget when they passed um, the bill that allows gay marriage. And I will never forget. You're gonna make me cry. I don't. I don't sorry. Well, I'll never forget because I was in D.C. during that time. And oh I'll, my God, were you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, see, I had another friend that was in D.C. And during I that. will never forget just seeing everybody and how cheerful everyone was. And my first reaction was wow because I wasn't educated very much on it. So my, I was wondering. You, just, if, you didn't know me at that point. Yeah, I, I just. <laughs> yeah, pretty, <laughs> Pretty much. So, like, I, I wanted to learn more about it. And I was worried about, you know, the church and state and how that would affect that eventually. But, you know, the more that I've thought about it, it's like, it doesn't matter. Because people are people. Screw Roy Moore. Sorry. <laughs> had, to, had, to Sorry. Had, uh, had to throw that in he, there. He's an Alabama, awful human being. Alabama politics. <laughs> we're, we're both from Alabama. Sorry. Alabama politics is about as screwed up as it gets. So. We're just hang our heads. But no, I'm but just Literally, saying, my like, dad even said, to, like, last night on the phone, I was like, did you see that? Hey, Kay Ivy, now let's give her some props. All right. All right. Hello, she's my girl hello. now. All right. She's my girl. I love her. She's, I love Kay she Ivy. She has she's swooped phenomenal. in, and she's, she's doing a pretty she good is, job. I mean, under the circumstances she is, that she was left She is flying like an eagle, and I hate Auburn, and I'm going to say she's flying like an eagle, but I hate Auburn, so. But no, but I mean, back to it. I mean, like, my my best friend in the entire world, he's gay, and I would do absolutely anything for him. Oh my God, that's so nice of you to to tell our viewers about me, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but... Just but I'm your, saying, like, just if, drink your wine. Just if he, wine. I It'll mean, be, if he wine. wanted me to stand up and say something on his behalf, I would be the first one to do it. Because at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all Americans. We all want to succeed. Which is like, we all want to flourish. One thing that, like, okay, you know, I used to hate Tommy Lauren. I or Lauren, whatever, however you pronounce her last name, she's irrelevant. Whatever. I used to hate her. I used to hate the shit out of her. But. She, in a way, shape, or form, has kind of, like, turned herself into, like, yo, like, I don't care what you do with your life. I don't care what you do with your body. It's not my decision. Because I think at the core of limited government, like, I feel like you're very... Uh, I want limited government. Limited government is the best we can have. But when it comes to social issues, just don't worry about what religion I practice. Don't worry about who I go to bed with. Stay out of my guns. Stay out of my body. No, I mean, I I agree. No, I mean... I have a gun, and I'm not giving it away. Sorry. Oh, my God. See, like, guns just kind of scare me just as a person. I'm kind of scared of them. No. No, I mean, not because I don't like them. Not because I don't, like, like them or anything, but, like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I remember going hunting with my dad. Oh, God. (laughs) Think about me. Chatterbox me that you've known. I remember going hunting with my dad and being like, it was like sundown, like right around the time apparently like the deer start to quote unquote move, you know? Yeah. It's like full <laughs> move. I remember They're on the being loose. like, but you can't hunt I, right I was ready to go to, I was ready to go home. And I've been out there since like three o'clock in the afternoon. I've been there for two hours. 
sitting there not doing shit by myself in a damn tree stand, literally alone. And I, I turn around across the food plot and I go, Daddy, I'm ready to go home. You scared all the deer. And I remember my dad was so pissed at me. He was so mad. I mean, my brother tried to take me home. I remember, him, get, get, I remember him being like, Psst, get down, get down. Like, call me out of the tree and be like, get down, get down. And I was like, all right, shit, thank God. I'm ready to go with that. I'm ready to go to hell home. But I went, oh my God, no, I couldn't. I know I hate it. I hate it hunting. I, it's not my thing. I, mean, I, I can't say quiet. Stay quiet. It's hard. It's I hard. Can you imagine me being quiet no. for like four hours? No. Except for when I'm, like, completely unconscious and I'm you asleep. You have to be asleep. I bet, you, I bet you scream in your sleep. I don't know. Ask Justin Kilgore. Justin, do I? Well, yeah. He told me I like move in my sleep and I'm talking my sleep. I'm not surprised. So, I'm going to ask Justin Kilgore about that one. Oh I'll God. be here in, like, three weeks. So, okay. So, moving past some of the LGBT rights and stuff, we... We have an agreement there on some things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do what you want. Just... Do what you want. Don't. You just don't want to pay for it. I don't. In terms of like... I don't want to pay for to it. To quote unquote... To literally quote Tommy Laren, you don't want to pay for it. So, I mean, she's like... All four trans people, she just doesn't want to pay for it in the military, but whatever. We'll we'll get into that in a different episode. That's that's episode three. So, um, let's talk about something, too, that uh, I... A lot of our listeners will probably not know about me since I'm so uh, successful. Uh, <laughs> I say I'm successful, but uh, let's talk about marijuana and I mean that sort of thing. And as far as a social issue, do you support the legalization of medical marijuana and or the decriminalization of small amounts of marijuana? Well, I mean, right now, it's against the law to have marijuana. If you're caught with it, you should be punished. However, I think it needs to be legalized because it's not going anywhere. And why don't we just legalize it and tax it? That would... Thank you. Thank you. That would... Oh, my God. It's just... But I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Like, we're both from Alabama, and they yeah. will not... They will not enact like, a state lottery because it, quote-unquote, it's gambling and it's against the law. Yeah, and but it it's helps, against It's against family it, beliefs. And, it helps and, and your economy. Of, like, screw it. Who the, the hell cares? Think about, Thank you. It helps schools. Colorado saw an increase in, of, like, what, $1.3 billion or something like that? Yeah, I mean... Like, like fiscally, it makes sense for our country to do that, to make... It not okay selling like regardless okay I can't sell like teeth whitening shit on the side of the street that's illegal unless I have a company right like I can't just go and like sell it and be like hey that's gonna whiten your teeth or I can't be like hey this is a weight loss like this is a weight loss pill I can't just sell it on the side of the street without a company mind you with all of that there comes like regulations, all these other things. Why don't we just have stores that pass all this shit that can do it, that can sell it, and we just tax it like we do tobacco, which actually causes cancer? Well, marijuana doesn't. I'll never know. I'll honestly never know. <laughs> it's stupid. It's completely it's stupid. One of, it's it's one completely of those, stupid. It's, it's one of those completely so, social absurd. issues that I don't even understand, like, why but people bring it. But it's because people with, within our generation... 
We have not taken over, but we're getting ready to. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Which I don't know. I mean, to be determined whether that's a good or a bad thing, but. No, we're trying because we are the good We're getting there. We're getting there. I, I feel like we're getting there, uh, like, as a generation. I mean, I just like want people to be more generation. educated. That's all I want. You are pretty fucking I want stupid, people to form so. their own opinions without hearing it from some celebrity or hear it from one headline. Oh, Kim Kardashian said <laughs> yeah. I should use this weight loss subscription while she wears a damn waistband. Oh, I can't do, talk about do it. Do your I can't research. Talk about it. Just do your damn research and form your own talk. opinion. Don't listen to Fox and or CNN. And I listen to CNN every day. Just don't listen to CNN and or Fox or MSNBC because they're all stupid as shit. Okay, so we're kind of on the same track, sort of socially. We did a good job. I we, mean, I mean, we, it's up and we down. Have some, we have there's some things that I'm like, I'm all with you, dude. And there's some things where I'm like, hang on, hang on. Let's talk about this, but you know, yeah. I did a <laughs> we're, good job. We're getting there, did but but that's the thing, though. It's like, did did I yell at you any during no. this? Did y'all podcast? notice that? Did I yell at Did I yell at her? If I yelled at her, then tell me but call no. me out but if I, I mean i thought i thought we did pretty well i'm pretty proud of us and what is that We're like called? what like a bottle of wine down so bipartisanship <laughs> I mean, at its finest i mean sometimes bipartisanship means cracking open a bottle or two of wine sorry you know cheers, cheers. so Vic <laughs> <laughs> and i just really love red wine so I found this amazing quote, actually, and you're probably going to be like, oh my god, of course it's from this person. So, it's actually from the president of the College of Democrats of the state of Maryland. God bless. God bless him. God bless Maryland. (laughs) Um, And I think it's important... I'm going to leave every single one of my podcasts from here on out with a quote just that kind of reiterates the fact that we have to have these kind of conversations like you and I have had today and that they're very important. So the quote is, it's important for people from different sides of the aisle to listen to one another. That's how we find common ground and come to a consensus. It's how you change minds and how you strengthen your movement. And that is Matt Titlebaum. If I screw that up, he can correct me on social media. Titlebaum, Titlebaum. I mean, he's from the Huffington Post, so I don't buy it. But uh, well, sorry. yeah, it's from the Huffington Post. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, they were they they. This is a quote from the Huffington Post. So, um, we're just gonna have to take it at that. But so. In other words, you've seen me and Vic, who are very literal. She's very red. I'm very blue. We're very different. Um, get along. We've had this yeah. awesome conversation. I love having these conversations. We literally have these conversations, like, every week. So, um, tune in every Tuesday. I'm going to be having these conversations um, every Tuesday. Actually, the episodes will premiere, and... Whether you're like on a treadmill running, which I don't really do, a or like a car treadmill. Yeah, I mean, you, you commute to work, whether you're like commuting to work or on the treadmill, doing whatever the hell you want to do with your life, tune in every Tuesday. And I'm going to be having some more of these, you know, <laughs> conversations and kind of capitalizing on how we discuss political conversations with each other. And if you have any, uh, 
questions, comments, and or like prayer requests, tweet me at Capital Converse. That is C-A-P-I-T-O-L Converse. Um, let me know your thoughts. Anything that you want discussed, anything you liked, disliked. If you want to send me like a, oh, I'm praying for you, I would love it. My mother would love it too. So just make sure you tune in every single um, Tuesday. And I have loved having you on here, Vic. Oh, and thank you. You'll be, and she'll good be luck back. to you. Oh my God, she'll be back, guys. Woo-hoo! Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So <laughs> thanks, thank you so very much for tuning in. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.